I understand that many of us did not grow up in church. So for many of us, we don't really know a lot about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to walk with God. Many of us have a church background, but maybe we started a relationship with the Lord and we've moved away from that. And so it's been quite a while since we've walked with God and we need to get back on track. Some of us are here and you know what? We're, we're walking with the Lord and we want to do His will, but it's time for us to take some new steps in our Christian faith. All of those are reasons that we're doing this series called Growing Deeper and Getting Stronger. If you don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, this series is going to help you to know what that means. If you do have a relationship with God, but you need to get back on track, we hope this series is going to help you to get refocused in your relationship with God. If you are hungry for what God has for you next, I pray that God is going to use our time together to help you to take the next step spiritually. So far, we've talked about the need for discipline and focus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to experience all that God has for you, it's going to require, just like any other area of our lives that's important, it's going to require some importance, amen? It's going to require some discipline and focus. We've talked about pursuing intimacy with God. What matters above all else is that you have a heart for God and are in hot pursuit of Him. Amen? We've talked about getting grounded in God's Word. If you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God, you've got to understand and study His Word so that you can live it out. We talked about partnering with God's people. These precious people this weekend who are being baptized... Chris, who's leading us in worship, they have partnered together with this church family because they said, you know what, I need a local church to be a part of to do God's work. That's so important. We've talked about sharing Christ regularly. It is so critical for us to incorporate into our lives somehow, someway, daily, looking for opportunities to share Jesus is the Savior. He wants to forgive people for their sins. And last week, as we started sort of volume two of this series, we talked about living with integrity. We talked about, listen, the importance of being the same person no matter where you are or no matter who you're with. Specifically, integrity is about serving God no matter what the situation is. I want God to work in and through my life no matter what situation I find myself in. To be honest with you, Pastor Robbie's plan was to move on to another topic. I had in mind something else that God wanted me to share with us this weekend. But the Lord spoke to me this week that we need to hang out just a little while longer on this topic of integrity. Because you see, last week when I shared with you about integrity, I said that, that the message was really an overarching view of, in, of integrity. But really we could talk about specific areas of our life where integrity are so critical. And I want to talk with you about one of those key areas of integrity in our lives. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 and talk about living with sexual integrity. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. It says, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Did you know that 79% or over three quarters of men ages 18 to 30 view pornography 
every month. 64% or almost two-thirds of all men, no matter what age, view pornography online every month. 86% of men say that if they knew they wouldn't get caught, they would view pornography. 90% of boys and 70% of girls have been exposed to pornography online. 56, over half of the divorces today can be attributed to at least one of the spouses continually using inappropriate websites. That means, if we have that, that image that's up on the screen, now we could just kind of turn the camera around and put it on us, okay? We could do that, but I don't want to do that. So I put an image of some people that we don't even know. But that means as you're looking at the screen, six to eight out of every ten of those people, specifically we talked about the men, but it's beginning to be a problem more and more for ladies as well. As you look at that image, six to eight out of every ten of those people are looking at pornography every month. Is that shocking? That means if we went, and again, I'm not going to point anybody because I don't anybody think I'm picking on them or, or pointing out them or anything like that. But if I just said one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, two, three, four, five, six out of or six to eight out of every ten people in this room are dealing with pornography. Wow. Amen. Wow. That is shocking. And I want to make something very clear as we talk about this together. The purpose of this message with so many of us struggling with this in our lives is not to make you feel bad. It's not to condemn you or make you feel guilty or or to shame you in any way. But it's for us as God's people to put something on the table. Amen? There is something that is decimating our ranks of people, whether they're Christians or not. But it seems to be that Christians struggle with this as much or almost as much as people who don't know the Lord. And I want to share with you as we study God's Word that there's good news. There is freedom available in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness, amen. There is hope, there is healing. But Remember what we're saying with this series. If we want to stop getting what everyone else is getting... We've got to stop doing what everyone else is doing. Isn't that correct? If we want our lives to be different, and thank God because of Christ they can, amen? Because we're talking about the power of God living in our lives. When we give our lives, these precious people who have indicated this weekend that they've given their life to Christ, they have the power of God living inside of their being. What an awesome reality, amen? So I want to speak truthfully. I want to speak clearly, even to some extent maybe strongly because a lot is at stake. But we do not want to give the impression if you have failed, forget it. If you've messed up, God's done with you. Because the Bible teaches that God can and God will cleanse and forgive and heal and restore if we will give our lives and even our sins specific struggles that we face to him. So with all that said, I want to start with actually, you might think in hearing a message like this that it's all going to be negative, right? It's all going to be, oh goodness, hold on to your seat, honey, because this is going to be a doozy. 
But actually, I want to approach this from a more positive angle. I want us to, to catch a new vision of what the enemy has distorted. Because God has given us something beautiful and precious that the enemy is using against us. So I want to talk first of all about the fact that God designed intimacy to be a blessing. Not to be a problem for us, not to be a curse upon us, not to be a weight for us to carry, but to be a great, huge blessing for our lives. Hebrews 13 verse 4 is going to be kind of our overarching verse today. It's going to sort of form the basis for what we're going to look at together and think about together. Listen to verse 4. It says, marriage is to be in honor among all. Marriage is an honorable thing. That's a very powerful word that he uses here. Marriage is precious. Guys, y'all don't know me. Y'all aren't at my house all the time. Pastor Robbie doesn't use the word precious, okay? I, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a, of a time, of a context, when I would say the word precious. I mean, I just can't think of that. I don't use that word. But that's what it's saying here. Marriage is dear to us. Marriage is something that is greatly valued, that is even treasured by us. Every once in a while, people who are a lot more descriptive than me, Pastor Robert, I don't use that precious language. But there are some of you that do. Every once in a while, I'll get a letter, I'll see an email that somebody signs warmly, comma, and then they put their name. The first time I ever thought, I thought, that is a very nice thing to say. Warmly, isn't that? I mean, to say to somebody, hey, Robbie, I just want to talk to you, just appreciate the message this weekend, God's working in my life, warmly, and to say their name. I, the first time I ever read that, I thought, that is a very nice thing to end an email. Warmly. That, that's really kind of what's being described. Marriage is warmly, okay? If I, I didn't say warmly. I said warmly, okay? <laughs> Marriage is Marriage is, is exquisite. Pastor Robbie doesn't use that language. That, that, that's special language, isn't it? Marriage is cherished. Marriage is, there's nothing else like it. In fact, he says it is honorable in all. That either means that marriage is honorable in every way. Marriage is a wonderful thing, is what's being said there. It even means in every way, or it means it's honorable by everyone, all of us. Basically, it's saying that marriage in every way is a big deal. It is very special for every one of us. In addition to that understanding about marriage, it says the marriage bed is undefiled. God says that the marriage bed is not defiled. It is not stained. It is not contaminated. If you, if you had the picture in your mind of, of like a like a perfectly white sheet, that's marriage. That's actually specifically the marriage bed. That's kind of a euphemism for talking about sexuality, isn't it? There is nothing defiled. There is nothing spotted. There is nothing dirty about the marriage bed relationship. Isn't that wonderful? It's a precious thing. There's everything, amen, great about it, amen? God created this wonderful blessing for us. Over the last year, we've had several young couples get married in our church family. We've got one coming up in a couple of weeks. What a blessing to watch those couples. If you were here, part of, those, part of those wedding ceremonies. Each of those couples, I got the sense that, that this was very precious to them. 
But this was very special to them. That, that not only after they got married, but even especially before they got married, they were building towards this in a very intentional, in a very thoughtful, in a very, we might even say, sweet, innocent, and may I even say, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, almost in a naive way. I got the impression as I watched these couples that they had saved themselves for this marriage. And there's something to that. There's something to the way that God designed marriage that it, that it really is supposed to be like, even that naive, that I'm not supposed to be experienced, that I'm saving some things that you and I are going to enjoy and learn together. It just really is a very special thing to see, isn't it? Well, we would all have to be honest, it's a very rare thing to see, isn't it? It's rare to see that even for many of us. But listen, just because we struggle with things doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reminded of God's precious blessing. Amen? Just because we talk about the blessing shouldn't make you feel condemned and guilty. What we're trying to say is that God lifts up this beautiful blessing for us. So let's don't lose sight of the blessing. In fact, this focus on the beauty and the blessing instead of the problem was Jesus' focus in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3, there were some people, they were looking at the problems, okay? And they were having a debate and they wanted to bring Jesus into it. They said, listen, what are the good reasons for someone to be able to get divorced? I love the way Jesus answered it. In verse 4, Jesus didn't say, well, there's this and there's this and if you do this. No, his first thing was, well, well let's talk about marriage. Instead of talking about breaking it up, Let's talk about what God intended for us to have in the first place. So in verses 4 through 6, Jesus said this. He says, He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Jesus, instead of getting into the problems, instead of getting into the, the negatives, he said, Let's talk about the positive, the blessing of marriage. He talked about the picture of marriage. He says, by the way, he's talking to religious leaders here who think they know a lot about God and the Bible. He says, hey, haven't you boys read this part? And God has a kind of a way of dealing with arrogant people, amen? These were not sinners who were hungry to know God's answers. These were proud religious people who thought they knew everything trying to trick God. Jesus said, hey, haven't you boys read the Bible? Because it says in there, that from the beginning, God created them male and female. Listen, it's becoming more and more popular for people to stay single. Or to stay single longer, even for their whole life. In fact, I think recently it passed in our culture, more, we've passed over 50%. More people are single over the age of 18 than are married. And by the way, there was a similar dynamic happening in the early church. Some people, for spiritual reasons, and by the way, the Bible affirms that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you can write it down and go back and look at it. There is something to be said for fully devoting your life to God. That there is something about, careful here, Robbie, because my wife's here. But there is something to be said for not being married, because marriage, how shall I say this? Um... It takes focus. <laughs> That's pretty good. Amen? 
So the Bible says that sometimes it's valuable for a person that wants to serve God, if they can do it, to stay single and to give their full attention to God. Okay, the Bible affirms that. And there were people that were thinking that, and that's a good reason. But the negative reason, even in the early church, some people were no longer viewing marriage as a good thing. Much like many of us today. So staying single because God's called you to be single and to serve Him, praise God. Go tear it up for Jesus, amen? But viewing marriage as a bad thing is maybe not the best direction. Because if we look at the, if we look at the Bible objectively, the Bible seems to indicate that from the beginning, marriage was the general expected direction that most of our lives are going to take at some point. The way God made life was male and female. If you look at, at, at a couple of plugs that are male and female, those two plugs are different, right? But they're meant to be what? Together. When they're put together, a lot of great things can happen. Okay? So that's what the Bible says. God created them male and female, different meant to be together those two people are meant to share the ups and downs of life and all that goes with it that's the picture jesus gave but then he talked about the permanence of it he said in verse five for this reason because god did this a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife the two shall become one flesh one unit one unity so they are no longer two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together no one should be separating let no man separate he said it was designed for one man and one woman to leave their respective families and to start a new one and to go the distance for life. And we should be very thoughtful about separating that. Now really what Jesus was quoting was he said it was from the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 22 through 25. Originally when God, it says the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Now that doesn't sound very beautiful, but Hebrew scholars tell us that's a love song, okay? This guy basically says, wow, that was just what I had in mind when I asked for something else, Lord. Okay, that, that's Robbie translation. For this reason, a man shall... Leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. The Bible says that all kinds of good things were happening in those verses. There was purpose. God created a person. He fashioned someone for me to share my life with. What a beautiful thing. Amen. There, there was joy. Like I said, there was a love song. He's like, wow, she's just, he wasn't very old. But he said, she's just what I always wanted, God. That's just what I always had in mind. There was an unconditional commitment. He was leaving his family. She was leaving her family. They were to come together and to make a new one. There was unity in some amazing way. Two lives are molded together into one unit. And there was transparency, listen, and acceptance. They were both naked, but they weren't ashamed. They were completely comfortable being completely transparent with one another not only that but later even in chapter three even after the fall even after sin comes in there's another huge blessing marriage brings holiness 
It brings growth into our lives. Listen, we're sinners. You put two sinners together, guess what? Pretty much after, okay, how many days were your honeymoon? Three days, four days, five days? Day six, day seven, we got some headbutting, amen? Marriage, though, provides us with the main incubator that we have in life to learn what it means to be like Jesus in the life of others. You know what an incubator is? It's, an, it's a controlled environment that allows babies to grow. That sounds like marriage, doesn't it? We're a couple of whiny babies that need to grow up. <laughs> Amen? And God puts us in that incubator as one of the primary ways that He works in our life to help us to become like Christ. By the way, I think that's one of the main reasons that the enemy attacks it so much. We need to be aware of that. Listen, what we're trying to say here is marriage and intimacy within marriage is a good thing. Amen? It is a wonderful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It is a blessing. Our God is not a God of no. Our God is a God of yes and blessing. And His message is not the bad news, it's the good news. He's given us something wonderful to enjoy. It's no wonder that the enemy is trying to destroy it. But that leads us to talking about the challenging part of it. Because the Bible does say, yeah, God created us for this great thing. But since it's so hard, and since we have an enemy that's attacking it, what we need to realize is that we've distorted God's plan. Do you hear me? We've distorted what God intended. Jesus starts in Hebrews chapter 13 by lifting up the beauty. Marriage is a very honorable thing. It's a, it's a precious, cherishable thing. The marriage bed, there's nothing negative, there's nothing polluted, there's nothing defiled about that, but, but, about that, but the Bible does acknowledge that there are some problems. It says, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Fornication. That's not a word that we use very often. I think probably a better translation for us is immorality. You can translate that word immorality. It basically means every sexual activity outside of a man and a woman in marriage. Okay, that's immorality. He says immorality and adultery. Adultery is a specific type of immorality. Immorality can cover lots of different things. It's a general term. Adultery is someone who is married being unfaithful to their husband or their wife. So it's a specific type of immorality. Here's what I think is being said here. This is what God is concerned about. Everyone who has sexual activity outside of marriage that's not according to His will, or everyone who has sexual activity inside of marriage that's not according to His will. Okay, what it's basically saying is everything but a man and a woman committed together in marriage for life is serious to God. Friends, listen. I'm just being honest with you as God's servant. The Bible says that everything outside of that that you and I will give an account to God for. Isn't that noteworthy? Isn't that something to pause and say, 
I need to think about that. It's not that if you're a Christian, you'll lose your salvation. But what it's saying is, if you are a child of God, somewhere along the way, I've moved away from God's purpose. Amen? It's possibly saying that if I continue in a lifestyle of immorality, unchecked, without asking God to help me to change that in my life and seeking for that to change, that could be an indicator that I don't really know the Lord. I'm kidding myself. Here's the deal. Marriage, that thing that God designed, is too hard. Amen? All your husbands are saying, you, you, you bait me, Pastor. I can't say amen to that one. I'm giving everybody permission. Marriage is too hard. Amen? So what we've said is, marriage takes commitment, it takes growth, it takes surrender, it takes maybe some waiting. But I have some needs that I need fulfilled. And honestly, we do, right? God created us with some needs that we need fulfilled. And so many times what we're saying is, marriage is a wonderful thing, but I don't want to wait to get there. I don't want to be confined to those parameters So what we do is in order to have those needs met, we find some shortcuts. I use the word distorted. We could also say say twisted. We've twisted God's design. It's appropriate to say we've perverted God's design. That great thing that God has given us, we have distorted that. I want to talk about several major ways that we confront in our society distortions of this beautiful thing God's given to us. First of all, it's pornography. We've already talked about that. The second one's homosexuality. By the way, though we hear about it constantly on TV or at school, as recently as 2013, the Centers for Disease Control, not exactly a religious organization, the Centers for Disease Control did a study that said 1.6% of those over 18 in the United States identify themselves as gay or lesbian, 0.7% as bisexual. That's 2.3% of the population. If you watch the news, if you watch TV, if you read magazines, you think everybody has decided to live a homosexual lifestyle. That's not true, though. The third one's adultery. Being married, but having an intimate relationship with someone who's not our spouse. Aren't those the biggest issues we face? Pornography, homosexuality because of the emphasis in the media, especially in the culture. And the third thing is adultery. So God says those things are wrong. Those things are very simply not how he designed our lives to work. Friends, listen. Here we are as God's people participating in pornography and adultery just like everybody else and struggling whether to accept homosexuality and how to incorporate it more into our lives. And we certainly are forced in our culture to deal with some of those realities, but why are we struggling with, is this okay? And how can we maybe make it okay? It's pretty simple. God designed intimacy to be experienced between a man and and a woman in the marriage commitment relationship. That's what the Bible teaches. We can decide to do something else. But that's what the Bible teaches. And anything else is twisting or distorting God's will for our lives. And so I would just challenge you here today, if that is a choice that you're making, 
to say, listen, God, help me. I don't want to twist your design. Amen? I don't want to distort. I don't want to misuse something that you have created for beauty, but I'm using in a way that's not according to your purposes. It's going to bring hurt and pain. One of the best images in the Bible for this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-8. through 8. It says this. It says, For this is the will of God. Don't read ahead yet. If I didn't show you what the next thing said, if I said, who wants to know God's will for your life? Raise your hand if you want to know God's will. Pretty much everybody says, I want to know what God wants for my life. This is God's will, your sanctification. You being made more special for God and His purposes through His work in your life. That is, specifically in this situation, he says, I'm talking about that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's will for you is not to be involved in immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel, and I believe it's talking about your body, his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. It makes sense that everybody in the world pretty much can't control themselves, right? Because before I came to know the Lord, I couldn't control myself, amen? We do not have the power to do God's will with our lives without God living in our lives. He says, so we shouldn't be living as if God wasn't in our life. For, he says, um, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification and specialness. Being different. You might be here right now and say, well, that's your opinion, Pastor Robbie. I don't agree with that. Okay, but he was waiting for you in verse 8. He says, "Say, so he who rejects this is not rejecting Pastor Robbie, but you're rejecting the God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. I want to focus on two words in that passage, transgress and defraud. When we commit sexual sin, we are transgressing. That word transgress means to step over a boundary. To step way over a boundary. I want you to think about that image. If you knew somebody at work who had some tools that you needed. Okay, that person went on vacation. You've never been to their house before. They haven't given you a key to their house. You have an idea of probably where their tools are. Who would pull up into their driveway? Try to see if the door was open by chance. It's not. Take out your credit card, you know, because, you know, it's not too hard to just crack that door open. Just, you know, there's no padlock. You just sort of open the door. Yeah, God saved me from being a criminal. I agree. I admit it. But, <laughs> see, you get in the house. Who would walk around somebody else's house while they're on vacation? Wouldn't you be afraid? I've always been afraid. If I was a thief, I would be scared all the time that I'd get caught. I would say, these people probably have a pit bull. Amen? These people probably have a booby trap with a gun pointing straight at the door. I'm going to open it. I'm going to die anyway. I guarantee you I'd get shot. I I cannot imagine walking through someone else's house without permission. Amen? I think most of us would say that. That word defraud means to take advantage of someone. 
or to take more than our proper share of something. Friend, the Bible says that if God wants you to experience the sexual relationship, that will be between you and your spouse. If you bring a third person in, you are taking advantage of that person. You are taking more from that person than is allowable. There should be sirens going off in my head that violation, violation, violation. They may say, Pastor, you're wacko. Well, it helps. (laughs) Whatever works, amen? You should be thinking that. I am not supposed to be here. I'm probably going to get shot or eaten by the pit bull. And yet that's what we're doing when we take advantage of sex outside the marriage relationship. We are taking more from that third person who's not our spouse. We're taking more from marriage than what marriage was designed for. Somebody said this, the marriage relationship is divinely ordained and its sacred precincts must not be polluted by the intrusion of a third party of either gender. So let's think about that in relation to those distortions. Pornography. Let's just be honest. Nobody would sin if it wasn't fun. Isn't that true? The honest truth is, is that sin is fun for a season. It brings some sort of pleasure on some level. But we need to see pornography for what it is. It is not good for us. It is not good for others. When you're watching pornography, someone is being dishonored. Someone's being taken advantage of. Men, you would never take advantage of somebody else's wife, would you? You would not even, of somebody else's daughter. You would never. And so what I'm trying to help us with is to put this choice within that realm. Because that's where God puts it. Because we're we're rationalizing, this is not a big deal, it's just on a screen. It's not hurting anybody. That is not true. What the Bible says says is that I am violating I'm going into an area that I'm not allowed. Someone else's spouse, someone else's daughter, and that is not... I would never do that. God, I need to see this screen as looking into someone's life in an area that I am not supposed to. Something else that's kind of helpful for me... In fact, I just heard this a few weeks ago, and I didn't realize this, but I heard someone on a radio program share, a Christian radio program share, that most of the ladies who are involved in pornography are in slavery. Most ladies who are involved in pornography are being taken advantage of. They are being forced to do that. This person said that what happens is many times they just need a little bit of money. They just, their, their intention is just for a time or two to be involved in something like this. And before long they get trapped in it. They get captured. They get blackmailed. We'll turn you into the authorities or we'll take away your whatever, your house or the money or whatever it might be. So when you think about it, when you you think about I'm viewing pornography, I am a part of another person just like me being in bondage. I don't think any of us would want that, would we? Doesn't that help? As I see those... As I see that temptation before me to say, I, that's not tempting as much anymore, amen? I don't want to be taking advantage of someone else. I don't want to be violating 
places that I'm not supposed to go. I don't want to be a part of someone. We want to be a church. We want to be a people. God's people are part of setting people free, right? How about homosexuality? The Bible says God made us as sexual beings. And at the right time, with the right person, that is awesome. It can be one of the most spiritual and fulfilling experiences of your life. Praise God for the gift of sexuality. But outside of that protected area, it can be very, very damaging. Many people have compared it to fire. A lot of us are getting, getting ready for summer, right? Get out there, you got a bonfire, you roast a marshmallow. It's an awesome thing. The campfire is an awesome thing because why? Because it's contained within some safe boundaries. This thing is very powerful, but it can be very enjoyable. But if that fire, we left it, we let it get outside those boundaries, it can destroy great destruction. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres are devastated by forest fires. Adultery. The Bible says that you and your spouse become one. Listen, the way we ought to see it, the, the way that the Genesis 2 describes it, you are super glued together. And so nothing, not even your kids, by the way, should come between that bond, that super glue bond. Let nothing separate those two things. So when we commit adultery, we are vi- there's a special zone that only Shannon has. Nobody else has. When a person chooses adultery... We're allowing someone else into a very special place that nobody else was supposed to see or experience with me. We've perverted the plan of God for the family. Friends, I'm sad to say we're about to see what that's going to look like. If God doesn't change us, amen? God, start with us, amen? By the way, once that door is open to all those distortions, it leads to more. It leads to people in multiple relationships. How can you say polygamy is wrong if adultery is okay? Who's to judge? Who makes the rules? It's going to lead to inappropriate relationships with kids. Then you may never believe this, but even eventually animals. And I know that is gross. You say there is no way that would ever happen. Well, that's what people used to say about what we are experiencing right now. There is no limit. Chris talked about earlier. People who've done such atrocious things in this world. Maybe I haven't done all that they've done, but I have the capability to do just as bad as anybody else who's ever walked on this earth. But for the grace and mercy and help of God in my life. Amen. Do you believe that? In talking about early Christians, let me give you a vision here of what God wants for us as His people. In talking about early Christians to whom Hebrews 13 was written, Pliny, one of the early Roman governors, listen, he was looking for something to, to criticize them of. Does anybody have a boss who's looking for something to get you with? To criticize you of and to fire you for? Okay, Pliny, one of the Roman governors, was looking for something to accuse Christians of But he said to Trajan, the Roman emperor, in describing Christians, he said they, the early Christians, bound themselves. This is the way he described them. He wasn't told, hey, Pliny, this is the image we're trying to get out as Christians. He is a non-believer describing the Christians. He said they bound themselves by an oath, not for any criminal end, 
but to avoid theft or robbery or adultery, never to break their word or repudiate a deposit when called upon to refund it. Basically, as one Bible teacher said in the early days, the Christians presented such a purity to the world that not even their critics and their enemies could find fault in it. Let me call time out here, okay? Don't miss the distinction. We're lifting high the possibility, amen? Do you hear me? We're lifting high the blessing that God is offering. Thank God that He's a God who has, who understands that our feet are on the ground and we've made a lot of mistakes. They don't measure up to that standard. That's what the cross is about. We need a Savior. I've already blown it. Even if I didn't know how great it could be. Even if I did know how great it could be. All of us have blown it. Is there hope for people who have blown it? You know what? There's only hope for people who are willing to admit they've blown it. The only people they're not hope for is those of us who say, I don't need it. I'm good. I'll take care of this. I know it's a problem, God. I know you don't like it. I'm going to work on this. impossible to do God's will without God's power. So really the goal of this message if you failed, which I'm sure most of us have, is to say, God have mercy on me. God help me because I cannot do this on my own. Would you be willing to say that to the Lord right now? Would you say, God, I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be part of the problem. I don't want to be... I want the world to look at us and not think, oh, you're goody-goodies. Oh, you're Mr. Perfect. You know what I'm going to tell them? I have the same temptations you do, and daily there's a question about how I'm going to do with it. Amen? But by the grace of God and with His help, I'm going to seek with all my heart to honor Him with my life. That's where God wants us to be. Is Is that your heart? Is that your intention? God, I want to honor you in a world where there is so much that doesn't. Not because I want to be better than everybody else, but because I want to experience what you have for my life, and I want to be a witness to others that their life can change as well. Would you pray with me as we think about those things? Hey, guess what? It'll do us no good. If we just hold on tight to our seat, because in about five minutes this will all be over. That won't do us any good. I don't know your business. You don't know my business. So it's not me and you, it's you and God. Would you just come before God and be honest with Him right now? being faithful sexually would you not be proud and say yeah I'm strong I'm solid would you say God thank you for helping me so far would you continue to help me to keep my eyes on you 
if you failed, and most, if not all of us have, would you just be willing to admit it? If you're not a Christian, really, it could be this sin, it could be any sin, but that sin has separated you from God. And He wants to forgive you of all of that, not just this sin, but every single one. Would you be willing to say, Dear Jesus, I accept your offer of forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life right now. Please forgive me of my sins. All of them, not just this one. God, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Thank you for saving me and rescuing me from myself. Child of God, as you sit here right now, would you say, I'm tired of the enemy? winning victories in my life by God's grace I don't know how I'm going to do it I'm going to get counseling I'm going to find some resources I'm going to get an accountability partner I'm going to throw the computer out I'm going to get a a system to monitor my computer I'm going to talk to my husband I'm going to talk to my wife I'm going to be up front whatever it is right now would you say God I want to take that next step because I am serious about getting this straight in my life because I love you God, thank you for the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Deliver us from these things that would bind us and hurt us. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.